Hello and welcome to another episode of Mixtape. Uh, we are joined by Shanul Kazi. Um, and in this episode, we are going to keep things uh, a bit more casual. Uh, if you guys remember in the first episode when we had like a couple of my friends over, Shanul mentioned a few of her uh, memories from her work experience working with in the Thar area. So given that she also has a personal connection with the area and given that we hardly um, get to see, you know, other than the, the, you know, the issues of that region, we hardly get any other stories from that area, the, the culture, the religion, the, any other social aspect of that region in the mainstream media. So we decided that we'll have her over so she can share, uh, you know, what in her, from her view, viewpoint, what really means what it has to offer and all things in between so welcome back Shanu. hi Fatma really great to be here and back uh, at on the mixtape so um, yeah I really enjoyed it the last time and uh, it's great that we have this uh, medium to be able to you know converse with each other and you know kind of share stories and I remember the last time that it was on uh, we were talking about storytelling and I think I just kind of deviated from that and became uh, you know kind of spoke about my own way of how I learned storytelling and how that's so important for me so um, yeah I mean um, as far as uh, my experiences are concerned um, I used to be at uh, I used to be at a obviously a well-known company in Pakistan called Ingro. Um, we were working for uh, the coal uh, reserves and extraditing those reserves in order to make electricity. Um, and during that, I was I was uh, looking after the corporate social responsibility, the community development angle of all of it. And, uh, you know, like, you know, and we've discussed this so many times in random conversations and, you know, while meeting and, you, you've, you know, I have shared with you several kinds of uh, experiences that I learned from from that. I really feel that, um, you know, it uh, that was probably the experience, you know, that really changed my personality. It allowed me to uh, understand so much. Uh, about other people that were not even remotely uh, part of my life or that I think would be part of my life. And uh, yet I felt, you know, seemingly they were all strangers from the start. And um, we were, you know, representing a big company kind of uh, was daunting on one side, but also exhilarating because, uh, you know, on one side you were seen you know, it was a, it was two-edged sword, right? Because on one side you were like looking at, okay, so we can change things for you. On the other side, there were people there that had heard this for decades and decades from different companies and just weren't believing the fact that there was some change going to be brought on. Um, and and like you mentioned, um, and how we've been talking about this for so long, you know, it's so great that we're now doing it on this panel and this platform that it's basically, you know, um, Thaira is basically very, very sacred to me. Um, I think that, yes, it it has a lot to do with the fact that my, uh, my paternal family is from there. It has a lot to do with the fact that my father was born there. Um, you know, it was and is a very derelict place and, um, but all I grew up hearing and, you know, all throughout my life, uh, my first visit to Thar was probably when I was a couple of years old. I then went on just recreationally for a visit with my entire family, maybe when I was, you know, early teens. And, you know, those were just touch and goes, not really exploring what the place had in score. But my whole life, all I heard was in Thar, when we were young, this would happen. When there was a wedding, this would happen. These were the traditions. These were the things. And there were so many stories that I grew up on that I was so intrigued about this place, you know. And, that the, and my family, my paternal family and my paternal extended family in some way always had such a deep connection to the fact that they were from Thar, from a city called Diplo. And 
um, most of the residents of that, uh, most of the educated residents of that uh, village or now that it's a township, uh, sort of were educated and then unfortunately, and that's a bone that I pick with my father and his siblings quite a bit, is that, you know, why did you leave? Like, you know, um, my father himself, it's ironic because, you know, I, I remember taking my first trip to Thar uh, with Engro and I remember sitting in, you know, a company car, highly privileged sort of protocol, um, had an agenda to do, but, but as I entered the border of between Sindh or entire, what you can say is that's what people, that's what the locals entire say that, you know, when you tell them you're from, you know, Hyderabad or Mirpurkhas, anywhere else, they say, oh, that's not, you know, that's Sindh and that's not Thair. And it's very interesting that they make that distinction because Thair in itself is so full of its own traditions that it doesn't borrow so many from Sindh itself, you know. And I remember going uh, back to the point, I remember getting into my car, uh, company car, being so excited, 6 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, my boss at the time, who's, uh, who passed away while we were working, uh, in, you know, a few years into the job, um, you, know, you know, he would tell me all these fascinating stories as well. And it was my first trip down. And from then on, I practically lived there. But I remember as we drove through and enter that border of Thair and the landscape changed. The landscape changed completely. It was such a chilling and, and, and goosebump kind of inducing feeling that, uh, oh my God, like I'm here. Like there was this, it's strange because I've never felt this. I've never felt um, connected and I never felt uh, that I would be so emotional. But the only thing that in my mind was going on was you know, Dada Baba, I'm here, and I, I'm I'm here, and it's strange, and and you know, that I'm here so many more decades after, you know, you left and you came and you went and 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 and, uh, you know, I'm here coming back, you know, full circle. It's like destiny and fate would have it that I would come back here and serve the people of Tyre. Um, and, you know, in doing so, I, I, I started off with Engro at a very, very early stage where nothing had really happened on ground, whether with the coal mining or the, the, the power plant or even with the people. I mean, there wasn't much community mobilization being done at that point. And um, I think that was the best time to come in because it, if everything was ready and done and I had to just come and run schools and hospitals and do all of that, I wouldn't have had the community interaction that I would have had. I wouldn't have been able to uh, relive all those stories of traditions that my father grew up telling me, you know. Um, and it's so funny that, you know, some, I don't know, 71, 72 years ago, my my father being 18 months, year, 18 months old, um, you know, kind of took a journey with his family uh, to move from Diplo and Thair to Hyderabad for further education. And, you know, my grandfather was a corporate lawyer and he wanted to establish his practice in Hyderabad, which is obviously a, a better off city um, than having done so in Thair. But having said that, my da my grandfather did a lot for, for, for Thair and, and specifically for education and a lot for female education. And I felt that it there was a great onus on me to, yes, to do for the company. And a lot of the times I found myself in situations where people said, you know, in the company, we've done a lot, you know, this is more than most companies do. This is more than most oil and gas or energy sector companies do. But, you know, okay, fine. We'll take a note of what you need. And I think it was so ironic that I came back some 70 years after in a, you know, a proper SUV car, whatever to give back to the community. And it's ironic that just 72 years ago or 70 years ago, my dad had left, made the very same journey and repeatedly made the same journey on camel's back. You know, it really is, uh, you know, and every time there was a wedding, he would go there, talk about traditions, talk about unity, talk about literature, talk about so much. And I think the main point of, of this conversation today, and obviously you can follow up and, and build from that is, you know, the kind of 
the kind of learnings that that experience gave me um, in interacting with people, you know. Uh, and, you know, obviously, Fatma, you know that uh, when we think of Thar, we think, or on the common man thinks of Thar and opens the TV and, and, you know, we see year after year, you know, drought and, you know, no rain and, and, and kids dying and women dying and, and, and you know, high-rise infant mortality rate and, and maternal mortality rate. But um, what what no one really talks about is the fact that there is so much that that land has to offer. Yes, difficulties aside, but you never see anybody uh, who is constantly talking about their di- difficulties. You will see people that are hospitable. You will see people who are literary. You'll see people who are Sufi. You'll see great amount of music. Um, you will see a lot of literature uh, from Shah Latif Batai was actually inspired from Tar and the land of Tar. You know, the whole story of um, Umar and Marvi. Um, Tar is the birthplace of so much culture. And I was so lucky to be able to, through the company that I worked for, to be able to not only just be part of, you know, hey, make this school, make this college, do this hospital, do that. But, you know, actually just, I had to start from ground zero, literally walk into people's houses, sit with them, sit on the floor, eat, eat, you know, eat food with them, break bread with them, have tea with them. Sometimes they would get viciously angry about what was happening and what the company or what they foresaw the company would do. And we obviously had nothing on ground until we got financial closure and, and had, you know, finances to bring the project. But we really brought in community mobilization way earlier just so that we can get acquainted and I'm so fortunate to have been at the forefront of that because that was an experience of a lifetime really you know the thing that's that you specified here is something that I think we really need to take notice that as a country uh, we know how it feels when you are defined by your problems alone um, this has happened in global mainstream media but if you i don't know if you want to call it ironic or what but we do this locally as well because as i said in the start as well thar is more than it has to be more than its problems just like any other area but all we see locally when thar is mentioned to someone who is not uh, acquainted with that place just i i believe that you ask anybody in punjab or in the northern uh, areas mention thar and it always be you know the list of problems that we see in uh, the media that are conveyed that you know that area has xyz problems hardly its cultural significance its diversity is mentioned so you uh, share the you know how uh, you have a personal connection because of your uh, family roots um, just sort of paint a picture because uh, one of the things that you mentioned was very interesting when you said that, you know, they consider it uh, sort of a border when you cross the Sindh and Hyderabad area. Um, Anyone here would just, when say Thar, would say, yeah, you know, part of the Sindh province, but they feel that they have enough, you know, cultural differences to consider that they don't, you sort of borrow it, borrow anything from the, overlapping culture of Sindh. Um, so what was your experience? You said the minute you, you know, crossed the first time you visited as an adult, can you just paint a picture of how the ge- geography changes and how that has an impact on some of the key cultural points that maybe we don't get to know or hear about uh, commonly? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you don't, um, you know, I never really realized that they had a distinction between Sindh and Thar. And I remember um, thinking, you know, um, like, you know, I'm, 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 we're from Sindh, you know, we're, uh, you know, like, like you say in Sindhi, as a Sindhi, I am. But the thing is that, like, mean, which means we're all Sindhi, but they used to say, no, 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 Sindh is that, we're Thar. And I used to, you know, kind of find that, you know, I would give it a little bit of a, um, I don't think I would take that statement so with such importance initially when I first came to Thar and started working there. 
as much as I realize that no, it's a complete different world. And and it's, you know, honestly, I, I tell you one thing, um, and I'm not just saying this because I have a bias and I'm from the area, because as you can see, I was so disconnected from the area in terms of physical, uh, you know, kind of, uh, it's not like I used to go visit the area or that, you know, there was a home there or a family thing. Everything had moved to Hyderabad long before, long, I mean, way before, when my dad was in his, you know, toddler years and teenage years, it was all about Hyderabad. And yes, they used to go back and forth to Thai. Um, so saying this without any kind of bias is that um, there, the culture in Thai is so widely, it's such a treasure chest that if you keep digging, you know, literally keep talking to people, keep finding out things, keep understanding what it is, not only are there about four or five different dialects that exist there, um, which are completely different from Sindhi. So it's not that, okay, this is a dialect of Sindhi. Because, um, you know, sometimes what happens is that in Southern Sindh, there's people speak Sindhi, but it, with a different, you know, kind of grammar. But it's still understandable for the people who live in the North who have a different dialect, but it's still a dialect of the same language. Here in Thar, it's a vast desert terrain, which is so spread out with about 1.5 million as a population. So it's completely scattered for the area that it is. The population is so very, very, you know, sparsely scarce, scattered out. And um, yet they have, you know, wh whether it comes to the way they dress, the way they speak. Again, I mean, I struggled to understand four different dialects when I was there because um, some part of Thar, and again, in Thar also you have five different areas. So like five mini provinces or Talkas, you would say, um, and all five of them had their, have a completely different landscape. So you enter, you see the best, the, the most outstanding thing. And the one thing that I, when I entered Thar, um, when, when I was coming in with anger was one thing that my boss had told me and that I also kind of knew was that it's not, it's not like a desert. It's not like any other desert. It's one of the most green deserts that one has ever seen. And, you know, that excitement was something that every time I would bring a visitor, and because our work was such that we had to bring a lot of visitors, we had to bring a lot of people who were from different NGOs, we had to bring a lot of people that were from, like, say, if we worked with TCF or we worked for, with Indus Hospital or we worked with different kind of uh, partner organizations, um, initially, when we did all our feasibility studies and took them to the villages and took them to the to meet the people and see our facilities um, and and how dire like situations were, I think it was always so. I think I was always more excited than the visitor to be like, look, look at this. You know, the landscape is changing and it's a desert. And they used to be like, but, but this is really not a desert. There's flowers here, there's trees here, it's greenery. Um, and that's the magic. I always found Thar to be such a mystical, magical place. But then there were some areas of Thar which were completely, as you reach the border of, of, of India, with India, um, in uh, an area called Nagar Parker, which Nagar Parker is the bordering sort of, uh, you can say, Talka between, uh, and it has, and the Indian border slices through from there. Um, and it uh, gets into Gujarat from there in India. And uh, that terrain is completely different. It's it's got a beautiful mountain range uh, that goes from from Nagar starts from Nagar Parker, and goes on to to Thar, uh, goes I'm sorry goes on to India, and uh, you know I think it's like a twenty something long mile long uh, mountain range, and it's made of pink granite. So it's actually a pink mountain. And it's made out of granite. And now, of course, there's commercial activity going on to explore that and explore that and God knows what else. But it is a complete different landscape. The minute every every place you go in Thar, there is no, you can't say this place looks like the same as the other. You can't say that that person that I met in Mithi, which is the capital of, of, of Thar, um, is basically kind of like the same person I met in Diplo, which is my hometown, or uh, a play, a person that you met in Islam Court. And I think all along, um, 
we try, what we try to do, and what I think that everyone tries to do this, and I think that we're all culprits in this, is we try to box and compartmentalize, uh, you know, sort of cultures. And we say, so they're all like this, they're all the same. And no, from the dressing to the language to the food. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, yes, the whole of the country waits for monsoon because it's something that we rarely get. But when Thar uh, sort of sparks a little bit of lightning and shows even a tiny bit of rain, it's so exciting. I mean, I have house help who is from Thar. And we've always had that because they're, they're from our village and, you know, it's all interconnectivity and all of that. Um, and literally, the minute you find out that Karachi is going to be hot, but if the hogi, none of them want to stay at home. They all get, you know, like ants in their pants and they're like, okay, we just want to go back home. We just want to go back home. And we're like, well, what is it? What is this magical time that's in Thar? But honestly, for anybody who has ever seen monsoon in Thar uh, will know that it becomes, it transforms. Literally, it takes about two days and little bit of rain for it to become for that green place, uh, which is, you know, I'd say green for someone else's eyes, but not too green for the people from Thar because they rely solely on livestock and livestock agriculture and all that kind of stuff. But every year there are actual prayers, there are actual sing songs, there's dances, there's, 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 you know, stuff that you don't see. And it's just simple joys like rain and monsoon. That change that change the mood everywhere. Everyone's loving the rain. Everyone's so glad the rains come. Uh, you know, it's a place where, you know, it's 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 a place full of unity. It's a place where there's probably you know, if at the time that I was there, there was a one percent crime rate, maybe two percent crime rate. I don't know if that's changed after commercial activity after I left the company. I have no idea. But from what I still hear, it's one of those places that. The question of someone stealing something from you does not exist. And I think every single person locks, uh, does not need to lock their door at night. Nobody really bothers. All night long, people are sitting by the sidewalks. If you're talking about the cities, the city of Miti. And that's another story that I, I'll, I'll go into. Um, and I'll tell you how I celebrated lots of lots of good um religious festivals or just general festivals in the city of Mithi, which is, you know, more of an affluent-ish city compared to the rest of Thar because it has a lot of Hindu merchant population and they're quite well off, you know, they're businessmen, so they're quite well off. Um, and uh, I think, you know, what we see on TV, like you mentioned, is really sad. It's really sad and it's highly politicized. There is no uh, other way to explain it. You know, um, there'll be cry for funds. There'll be, you know, kids being shown in, in, in situations which I think personally is complete invasion of privacy. I mean, this is not what represents Thar. This is not what represents their culture. Uh, there are people there who are, you know, elderly who can recite the entire Shaja Risalo for you. So, I mean, there are people who can sing songs for you in the most beautiful voice. And those songs and those, I mean, there are instruments that are invented, that were invented in Thar, string instruments that don't exist anywhere. And every year that I go to Thar, for some reason or the other, after I've left Engro, uh, what happens is that I see less and less of it, you know? So everyone's resorted to the million Bollywood channels that they get or the million, you know, dramas that they get, but no one really wants to listen to any cultural music. Nobody wants to have these things that call, were called much kacheris, which is, you know, you, you, you surround yourself by the fire if it's winter time and you share stories and then one, the other person picks up on that story and shares another story. So what's that? I'm, I'm also trying to kind of say, you know, there is so much culture there, but, but there is, just like everywhere else in Pakistan, this shame to admit that we have all of that culture. And what my fear is and has always been, uh, and more so now that I'm not part of Engro, and more so now that I'm not um, you know, there, and I only go there after long periods of time, maybe six months, every six months or every four months, um, I see so much change in that people are like, 
you know, uh, we'd rather just not make this at home. We'd rather just get it from the market. And I think these kind of traditions are dying. And whenever I go to somebody's house and I would still go to their house, I'd still go to their village, I'd still sit down with them and I'd tell them, no, I want something from the house, you know, whatever you have. And it, they'd insist on getting me Mountain Dew, Mirinda, Fanta, God knows what, but they won't really, maybe they have all that pride in their culture, but maybe it's just something that's dying with every generation, you know, everything being digitized, everything, you know, money pouring into industry is a great thing because it provides jobs and employment, but it's not necessarily great because who's going to take care of the culture, you know? Um, every time I go, uh, there are beautiful old Jain mandars which date back over maybe 800 to 1,000 years old, every time in more dilapidated state than they have ever been. And that that is very depressing because who's going, to, okay, you're going to look for, you're going to give people jobs and you're going to make an industry and there's going to be opportunity for business vendors to open up different supermarkets and there's going to be so much of that but who in the world is going to sat, sit there and say you know what i want to repair this this temple because not only does jainism barely exist in this world in its true form but the fact that there are relics still there their mandars still there hand painted you know stone carved and they just are in such a shoddy state. You can do anything you want to bring prosperity to a nation, but every nation in the world and every culture in the world can only last so long as its antiquities, as its heritage sites, as its history is preserved and taken pride of. Unfortunately, as a nation, we've lost that in many ways around in the city. But that's something that really, in my heart, I feel should not be lost entirely you know um and the portrayal of the government and and the politicization of oh it's tire it's drought so people are dying and so just for my years that i worked in tire and i was very closely aligned with health authorities and all of that stuff and little said about government institutes and facilities there the better but to be very honest with you i really did not see that the drought every year, every other year was really the root cause of people's malnutrition, of people's, um, you know, illnesses. It was just a cycle of, obviously a generational cycle of people who were, you know, if, 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 if you have in your genetics weaknesses and, you know, anemia and, um, you know, don't have proper facilities that that have that that can provide you childbirth and most births are taking place at home in unsanitary conditions then obviously you will have malnutrition children and you will obviously have all those kinds of things that happen and and I think that's a very politicized thing because one government wants to benefit in some way shape or form uh, get a bigger budget which they have and yet nothing is nothing really gets reflected in the hospitals that you see in time, which is sad, you know? Yeah, because as you said, uh, the issues in drought, definitely uh, it is an issue, but it's not just a third issue. It's, it's climate change. It's having an impact everywhere in Pakistan and around the world. And yeah, the is issues can't just be thrown on, uh, the problems can't be just, you know, attached to one, one specific problem. Uh, as you were mentioning about, you know, the images of the children that come out of Thar, it just reminded me of a bit that Trevor Noah did in one of his uh, stand-up uh, comedies, you know, when, when Africa and, you know, Africa has uh, been portrayed by, even by international uh, INGOs in a very specific uh, manner around the world. And he made the joke mm -hmm. because there is, there was this, one specific image that's you know we all have seen it we see it every time there's something aid related about that area and that is mm -hmm. a kid a malnutrition kid uh, who has a fly literally going in and outside his mouth and he was like we are poor sure but we can yeah. be no matter how much poor we are and he did this action with his hand he said we can actually you know you can you know make a fly go away with your hand it, it has nothing to do with wealth but that specific image 
has i think been the poster child for for what africa stands for for the uh, for the entire world until i think digital media where then people started talking about you know what sort of biases these are um you you mentioned a lot about you know the cultural aspect of it and that's where i want to like take this conversation uh because you know i myself am very much interested in you know documenting these um these you know unique aspects of our cultures be it anywhere and the fact that we are losing these uh, unique musical instruments these uh, oral storytelling traditions is really really heartbreaking um and i think one of the i think you you anybody who's listening can figure this out that i think the reason those people don't are not like actually transferring it to the next generation is because of there is no financial support on that front uh, yeah. there's this documentary i am totally forgetting its name uh, but recently um, there's this uh, recently started i think uh, organization of local filmmakers uh, haya fatma is also part of it um and they did a virtual uh, you know this uh, film festival and one of the documentaries that they showcased uh, was basically highlighting the musical instruments yeah i think that was chal chalta phirta documentary yes, association yes, yeah yes. i watched that that was heartbreaking yeah yeah, yeah. so you remember there was this one documentary i'm uh, i'm totally forgetting its name but it's really stuck with me i think indus blues Yes. yes yes it was about yes. the musical instruments all over pakistan and how exactly dying, whether that's punjab exactly. or that was north exactly. uh, the northern exactly. areas or sindh yeah absolutely remember watching yeah. that yeah and 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 you know the the one of the people featured from one of the uh, from the the wall city he was comparing the situation of a specific instrument that is that was like that is a heritage of south asia uh, basically specifically mm -hmm. pakistan and india and he said you know um there what he he what, what he said that what he got to know was that there people who are involved in this work they how they get their children into it is that they have toys of that musical instrument mm. and they give the kids like 3 year old 4 year old kids you know use those toy start practicing on those toy instruments and here he i think he he was the only one who was left with that instrument so that is something that we really really need at a government level at an individual level be it non profits or corporate when we talk about csr i think this is an aspect that we really need to uh, focus on so talking about these because you have witnessed these and you have heard stories from your father um just share some actual you know maybe events or musical any experiences that you have had that you can share yeah i think for me you know the biggest eye opener was the kind of you know and i'll share a few anecdotes because they they point to different uh different aspects of of my surprise entire and uh one of them being is that you know uh there is such a sense of liberty over there i cannot walk um you know in karachi in most big countries in pakistan with no one looking at me no one caring where i'm from no one caring oh she doesn't look like she's from here um i mean i remember i'm i'm a, i'm i'm a very you know when it comes to ad adventure and it comes to you know just trying to uh figure out things i'm very much like you know i want to go off and do it on my own and um that's how i've learned and and made friends there and i have families there who if i go to thar and one find family finds out that i'm not i'm in mithi and i the other fam i haven't met the other family it becomes a problem the thing is that you know it's i've i've literally i, I don't know any place you know forget pakistan i don't know any place in the world that just allows you to ring the bell not even ring the bell the door is open you walk in you know when you you honestly like when you walk into uh, thar and you you know and walk in through sorry i'm, I'm not talking about thar per se uh, the villages um, you know that's the sense of privacy that you try to keep but if it's if it's uh, cities like islamabad or mithi and especially mithi which i've spent a lot of my time in because 
you know, when you're working, say, 16, 17 hours a day, you just need a break and you want to head to, you know, uh, a, a city which is not really a city, but it, it has character, but it also has just people that are, um, you know, people that you can kind of, you, you become friends with. You need friends if you're, if you're going to be, uh, I mean, practically I spend most of my, you know, I spent four years in Engro, I spent more than, uh, I was, you know, I spent a lot of time entire weeks at a stretch, days at a stretch. And the only way, uh, of course I could get by in many ways, but I used to feel suffocated in a way in the company compound and all of that. Not that it was not great. It was amazing. I mean, you know, but I just felt like I wasn't experiencing too, too tired. And, and, you know, there's a lot of my colleagues used to make fun of me and say, oh, now you just want to go out, out in the evening and you just want to go to the city and meet your friends and that kind of stuff. And, and, and you know, you want to go and meet 30 families. What do you even talk to them about? What do you even say? Like, how can you relate to them? And I said, you know, I can relate to them more than I can relate to you people. I don't want to sit here and play basketball and football and table tennis and whatever. I want to go and I want to meet people. And, you know, one of the most baffling things for me has been that, you know, the, I would have the company driver and he would park. The, I would tell him, you know, here in the bazaar, the bazaar, you park the और एक गली में बस ये जो मेन बाजार जहां से शुरू हो रहा है वहां पे आप मुझे छोड़ दें एंड आप यहीं पे गाड़ी पार्क करें मैं थोड़ा सा लाइक यू नो बाजार बाजार में जाऊंगी एंड यू नो लुकिंग एट हिम हिज पजल्ड फेस लाइक नहीं नहीं बाजी ऐसे तो आप नहीं कर सकती हैं ये तो जगह सही नहीं मैंने कहा आप छोड़ हैं ये जगह जितनी सही है वहां पे यहां पे कोई देयर इज नो प्लेस इन पाकिस्तान जो कि इतनी सेफ होगा so um he would park the car and I, and you know he would insist on following me ki main aapse dur dur baithke you know chalke phirun like follow karunga but you know i was like no no there's no such need and i would go through the gullies and gullies of the busy mithi bazaar and you know it would be so nice like in the mornings I, honestly and i've written a lot about this i haven't re- published anywhere cuz frankly again there's a really lack of places where you can publish uh, such works and and people would be interested in reading about it but you walk in and it's 9am or you know 8am because sometimes i would be there for the weekends too and sometimes out of choice i would stay in thar for the weekends i didn't want to come back to karachi and i didn't want to do what what the socializing that's done over here i just wanted to be you know still and obviously sundays used to be a holiday so i would get up and go early morning to mithi and i would um, it was just a sight to look after to look over because jab walk karte the bazaar mein aur you know subah subah sabere like ek banda hota tha dedicatedly jo ke pure you know and mithi is a predominantly hindu uh, city right uh, say 70 or 80 i think 70% for now are you know are are, are hindus over there and it's probably the only city in in pakistan like that and subah ko you know jo aarti hoti hai and jo smoke bhara ek container hota hai jisme se wo apni you know there there's a dedicated man in mithi jo ke wo pure mithi bazaar ko wo aarti aur wo smoke jala ke pura usko you know he stops at every shop he you know blows smoke over all all of those things he he's he's praying he's blessing those people and this is something that i saw every time every morning i would go to mithi i would see that the bakery is opening you know people are looking people are talking people are you know greeting you and the idea of some random person greeting you in karachi where i live is just you know the automatic thing would be why is this person greeting me or why is this person walking into my house or walking into my shops but there were so many times i would just walk into people's houses and say you know you have a very nice house the veranda is really nice play with the kids a little bit the amma would come out abba would come out i wouldn't even have to ring a bell there was no bell there was just nothing you just walk into the houses doors would be open um sooner or later little giggly girls would be out and you know teenage girls who would look up to me and be like you know do you have whatsapp do you have you know sort of um you know what's your number can we keep your number and you know i still hear from them from time to time i've i've not given them anything i've not ever once brought anything for them because there's so many people uh, i've not you know the only thing is i've given them the you know my time and my company which frankly i give i can give to a lot of people but that they would not appreciate that in in a city as much as they would over there and you know sometimes they just write to me and they say when are you coming back and, and you know all of those things and then you'd have your um you know i remember sitting in a silver dukan jahan pe silver jewelry bechte hain puri chandni market hai in mithi bazaar and 
वहां पे आप बैठे हुए हैं एंड आई शुड जस्ट लिटरली जस्ट बी सो कैंडेड आई वुड सिट ऑन द फ्लोर एंड वो ज्वेलरी वाला बोलता था कि यू नो आप कुर्सी पे बैठे हैं आप क्या कर रहे हैं जमीन पे क्यों बैठे हैं I went for Diwali to Mithi and it just turns into a city that I've never ever I it's honestly my favorite city in the world and I've been through so many cities around the world but I would say that jitna coexistence Mithi ya Thar mein hai for different religions it's it's embarrassing that that it, it that Pakistan as a whole does not have that coexistence a pointer I mean if I decide that I want to go to inside a mandir in Karachi I have to I'll probably be stopped unfortunately because it has so many security threats and so many things I would probably have to talk to somebody to talk to somebody to let me in but in Thar Diwali is open to all whether the Muslims enjoy it just as much the night um you know you're walking through the streets and literally I have taken people with me to Diwali and they can they can speak for me when I say this that it's absolutely incredible how they celebrate how they welcome you into their houses gone into random people's houses in mithi in the city and uh, you know seen how they've made had decorated their houses they don't they they don't let you leave their house until you have so much to eat and then you're on to the next house they force the same kind of food and hospitality on you and you know they are it's amazing because there's certain vegetables and certain dishes that again don't exist in sin people in sin have never heard about these vegetables i talk to anybody in sin they'd be like what what is that you know those vegetables only come out in in thar whether it rains whether there's this whether there's that there's a few vegetables and they make the most amazing and they're all vegetarian because it's predominantly brahmin or you know so the upper caste hindus and the way they make their vegetables is the way they spoil you their hospitality it's just amazing you know and i think that every house you go to everyone is just you know so hospitable that the one thing that i have i have received from all the friends that i have taken over the years is wow you know what kind of like i feel like i was you know who was i like was i the queen was i the king that i got so much respect and love and, and the thing is that it's you're not you're nothing you just give them they they love you just because you give them time and you give them respect and you come over to their house and and they love being hospitable it's just who they are you know and i think that's beautiful it doesn't exist it you know uh, something about mithi that if people enjoy if muslims enjoy diwali they enjoy it as much pataka you know jalana hai ye karna wo karna aur utne hi utne hi you know utne uh, hi sort of uh with so much jest and so much like you know fun they will enjoy the the hindus will enjoy eat they will greet each other agar uh, you know uh, ashura hoga so the hindus will make sure ki unki bazare band hongi um wo join karenge julus mein um agar for example bakra eat there is no concept of 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 you know cows being slaughtered because there is respect for the muslims and and and, and towards the hindus knowing that that's a sacred animal in their religion and it's just beautiful i mean i think that kind of coexistence does not exist that kind of harmony does not exist yeah uh, i mean in the world not just in pakistan but everywhere in the world specifically with the recent events uh starting from united states of america the stories that you were telling can actually you know be the can be used as an example that you know in this world which is 
with each passing day seems like to be you know going towards a more polarized uh version of itself but still coexistence can ha can happen and we have a practical example we don't have to go into history or you know come up with any new ideas about it um you uh, mentioned uh, some of uh, the folklore uh, that there are people who can actually you know recite uh, uh, from their memory uh, so just share a bit more about it and a couple of uh, you touched in the start you touched upon some of the folklores that have originated from thar uh, were you able to you know sit down with somebody who um, you know could give you more inside or give you more origin stories that we might not know and also uh, as you also we talked about this uh, a bit earlier that you know there is a lack of documentation or the fact that uh, even within the community the, nobody in the this this treasure is not being passed on to the next generation uh, were you able to sit down with somebody and maybe talk about that why there was this why was this happening we know we know a couple of major pointers obviously because there's no financial support and people need to have like financial support to be able to you know focus on these things but mm -hmm. other than that do they have any ideas or you know any ways in which they if they are provided help that they can be uh, there, there is a chance that these uh, store i know uh, you mentioned the jain mandir wali cheese and obviously that requires government attention and we don't see that happening anytime soon but these oral traditions these stories these musical instruments how is there a way that you know we can help or preserve those um to be honest with you i think that that it needs to be in some way shape or form part of the curriculum and um I think that's one solid way for children that are growing up to not look at, you know, um Shahrukh Khan. I mean there's no harm in looking at Shahrukh Khan or God knows who other actors are out there uh at the moment in Bollywood as role models, but they have so many Sindhi uh, Thari and yes Sindhi role models to look after. Um so the folklore that I was talking about is basically Shah Abdul Latif uh, Shah uh, Abdul Latif Bhattai, a renowned poet and saint, who is buried in Bichan, very close to Hala, and he has, you know, every every evening at his um, shrine there is a, you know, sort of musicians that gather and 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 they recite his risalo, and his risalo is meant to be uh, a compilation of a certain amount of folk stories, which are not too long, and are written in very very old scripter type english with uh, sorry sindhi which is very difficult for one person to understand so even if there's a fluent sindhi speaker um like say my father or my my paternal family they will not uh they will not they be there'll be some words that will still puzzle them um and and because and it's 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 solid literature because it like so many english literature that we read or urdu literature that we read one word or one sentence doesn't always mean the same thing there is multiple interpretations so if they're talking about light or they're talking about soil or they're talking about the sun it means so many different things and can be interpreted as meaning so many different things so what you would get out of one of his stories say in particular the one that i mentioned which is particular to thar and it's called sur mari and it's about um story of umar and marwi so umar was this you know this this is what the legend goes by that umar is basically this um um you know sort of prince uh, or yeah umar was a prince and he basically was going through um you know a village and he found a um basically um you know he was going through all these villages and he found uh he he saw a girl and uh, she was taking you know water from a well and um you know it, it was in a in a small village which still exists in thar and there's the well still exists um it's a village of bhalwa and it's on the road towards islamkot to nagarpur and what happens in the story is that he finds her so beautiful that he kidnaps her 
and he sort of takes her back to Umarkot and he puts her in his fort and he forces her to just agree to marry him or to agree to just have some love for him. But the whole time she's there's the whole story kind of narrates how she misses the people of Thar. She misses her, you know, she talks about every flower that exists in Thar, every vegetable that exists. She talks about the cow. She talks about wells. She talks about how lovely her people are. Um, she talks about how, um, you know, uh, she longs to return to her land. She longs to return to be doing this, the thing. She misses monsoon. She misses the onset of spring. She misses winter. And that, that whole thing, it's not really a love story, but it is actually, you know, kind of a ode to Thar. Every sentence in it and every, uh, you know, message in it is kind of like an ode to Thar, uh, you know, in a way that it, it, it's, and, and those are the stories. And, and there's another, uh, th there's another very famous folk, folk story basically called a Mumal Rano, which is, you know, on again, two people, um, which is a love story is a love saga. And there are people who have translated, not translated, but just transcribed those poetries into songs. And, and, and there's, and, and Mumal Rana is one of, one of the, poems that have turned into um, um, whose verses that have turned into a into a song that is sung by a lot of musicians and the 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 the, the tradition is that i didn't even know this before i went to thar is that when i i remember meeting a few musicians and they were singing a lot of things and growing up i always knew rano you know that's the that's the folklore it's seven eight minutes long maybe even longer if you want to make it kind of a song or whatever and it tells you the whole story between Mumal and Rano. And I told one of those musicians, I said, can you play that? I really like that because it's, you know, it's reminiscent of my childhood and my dad would always ask for it. Um, and he said, no, 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 I, I can't do that. When, when I end my musical uh, sort of repertoire or whatever it is, after I'm done with five or six songs, Rano is always sung at the end you know, and it's meant to be a song that you end by because it's so heavy in its comp composition and so meaningful that you can't just sing it in the middle and have someone, something sung after that. And as far as people, I mean, this is not even too far from, from, from right now. There, there, there are people that used to work uh, in my household, you know, obviously elderly, who are now retired and, and back in their villages, who could recite, you know, they call it Beth, who could recite the Beth of Shah Abdul Latif Bittai, um, just out of pure memorization. And I think that's because, you know, they used to have sit downs, they used to talk to each other, they they used to actually be sharing, like, you know, you have Mashairas and stuff, this, this is how it used to work. And I think that that if that cannot happen within the younger generation, then in some way, shape or form, it should be instilled and, and translated into uh, into curriculums, you know, children's books, and, and not in a superficial manner where you're just trying to patronize uh, the story and change the story altogether, but giving them pride that your heroes are actually these people. Like, I don't think kids know that. But then again, uh, over there, there's so many problems that one has to go through that I don't think the kids are even responsible for not knowing these things that they do. Yes. The, whereas Thar is not just all about problems. There are great problems that exist and mothers are not able to sit down or fathers are not able to sit down. Well, I would say more mothers are not able to sit down because honestly, if you see the way a woman works in Thar, you would be surprised when you talk about woman empowerment. I think the most empowered woman, empowered woman I've ever seen in my life have been Thai women. They make all the shots in the house, yet, yet they're not allowed to obviously make the real shots in the house because it's the men who unfortunately, you know, sit all day, drink tea, chat in their phones, boss things around and kind of do it. It's the women who do all the hard manual labor. If it's firewood being brought in from miles away, it's on their backs. If it's water being carried in, it's on their heads and I have put a matka on my head, an empty matka on my head. I know how heavy that is. I don't know how they balance it with full matkas. If it's food that needs to be cooked, if it's, you know, um, 
sort of zameenon pe kaam karna aur crops ko you know matlab nikalna aur harvesting karna aur sara kuch ye sab aurtein karti hain and 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 at the same time they 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 do it when they're pregnant they do it when they have little kids they do it in all kinds of ways so i think women i that i've seen are the most empowered there you know maybe that's not a right definition of empowerment but you know i think that they have a lot more power and a lot more um duties yes on them um and i think that it it's just maybe that's why the culture cannot you know is not able to move forward because it's not a shared parental system right where the mother at the end of the day when she's done with her work and all of that she's she's tired she she doesn't really have the time and and it's likewise embroideries have been uh, minimized to almost a zero um you know kind of it's just you know um before earlier in the day my father used to tell me and i've also seen this in the, in, in the evenings when they'd all be done with their work all the women would gather around from different houses come to one house work on a rally patchwork you know gaane gaate hue wo kaam karti thi us pe ab wo cheez hai nahi because wo sab wohi kapda pehnte hain jo bazaar mein available hai koi haath se nahi banata cheeze bahut cheeze ye kam ho gayi hain chahe embroidery ho chahe culture ho and i think it's just because they they, they do live a tough life and they the, the burdens are not shared between the the mother and the father or the husband and the wife you know and i think it's a very disproportionate system of putting so much on uh, a woman and, and 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 then expecting her kids to then also have the education of of all of these you know poetries and 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 and, and be a little um cognizant of the cultures that existed and the country the the province or the area grew up on right and, and that makes the traditions of the area uh, you know because uh, one of our uh, local authors musharraf ali faruqi says this and i've i've repeated this multiple times that you know when it comes to storytelling uh, the first job a story has is that of entertaining and if you can't maintain that don't expect kids to you know uh, read something or in force something for them to you know they should like urdu uh, novels or urdu writing or for in this case as we are talking the local uh, traditions just because they exist uh, if they don't entertain or if they are not like modernized to their taste it's going to go away and i think unfortunately that is happening across the country and this is something that uh, the powers to be really need to think about but they are not um as you said you're right you know the, there's there's this one of the key things in our culture i think is this lack of you know balance of responsibilities uh, i don't know the the hardcore patriarchal ideas of how you know the chores need to be divided yeah the not just the household chores but just overall you know there's a lack of partnership when it comes to a household and that 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 has a lot of problems um i i think this is a discussion that we can you know go on and on about mm-hmm. and i we will have multiple sessions on it because while having this conversation i have a few ideas for you for your next visit to thar and maybe we can you know do something and then uh, put it on mixtapes platform uh, yeah, but absolutely. before before closing i because you know the way you said that you when you had free time you used, used to go and you know uh, talk to the local people and everything um i would and i know mental health is also uh, a subject that is very close to your heart and it is something that i have also been sort of looking into trying to understand and specifically during the pandemic and because of some of my personal experiences recently so just share how you know going back connecting to the roots how has did i'm not saying it it, it is a cure for mental health but there is No, you can't say that that X Y Z can be can called a cure for mental health. But how did this? Did it help? You know, sort of de-stress, relax, connecting with the culture. You no, know, 
if you have anything to share on that front yeah absolutely so my job was very very duty extensive and by that i mean both on the computer and uh, deadlines sometimes you would have meetings at 2 a.m sometimes someone would call a meeting at 3 a.m it was, it was really like you know very time extensive um although i really loved it i enjoyed it thoroughly and i really respect all of the people that i you know now look back and, I, and those are my mentors you know my bosses and, and, and the higher up senior management and everyone i and i have so much respect for that but having said that it was not an easy job because from 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 the whole day you spend the whole day in villages um you know doing community mobilization and then you're overseeing you know the, the schools and you're overseeing you know kind of the hospital building and you're overseeing different people and then you're bringing people in to come and visit her and see their uh, how they can potentially help you whether they're part of ngos and stuff like that and then you know you want to come back and you don't you feel the most you feel at times a lot of disconnection you know because you're coming back from real villages from real everything and you come into this fancy place which is just you know you have a flat screen tv in your room or you have like you know a, a great buffet lining up at dinner and, and 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 while that's all okay for you know all the people that stay there and that work not very far from there that work on the plant site that work in the office entire for me my job was very different because i was it was like i was living a dual life so yeah in terms of mental health i really really thought there were some times that i would want to leave karachi just to get some rest and every time i would feel you know okay my mental health is getting to a point where i'm stressed out there's too much work even though there was double the amount of work in thar but just it didn't feel like work but it, because it felt like connection it felt like identity i feel like you just lose yourself there you lose your sense of time there you, you you you're more mindful of what's around you you look at the sunset you look at the rain if it does rain you look at each plant you, time just slows down it's like you're going back 200 years in time and it just it, it's that you know that necessary kind of um um break that you need like you know just to look around I think that's exactly what Thar became to me, and also a huge amount of freedom, um, personal freedom that I associated with Thar. That this was my place, and that 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 that, that this was my kind of habitat, and it was my safe place, and it was something that I could explore endlessly and and feel free there. And and I think that sometimes we get so caught up in the rat race that at least is is Karachi that we don't really. find solace in like late night drives or in you know just walking into a village or someone treating you and someone you know on a bad day no one has any idea that you're having a bad day but they will give you so much love that you just forget that you're having a bad day because you feel worthy and you feel valued and i think that's the one thing that really really has stuck with me and and that's what brings me back to thar every few months that you know i so much love again so much affection so much unconditional they don't ask anything from you just ask for your time in karachi you can't ask a friend for your time or too much of it because everyone's busy doing their own thing and i and i think it's it's great that these people still know the idea of sitting together and talking and and and, and spoiling somebody and and being hospitable i think that's what you lose when you're when you're in a bigger city yeah true uh, i think these uh, these cultural nuances i think which i won't they are becoming nuances as something that uh, we need to really preserve and not just for the sake of some novelty purpose or you know just for the sake of preserving them and then marketing them in for tourism or whatever um but i think uh, everywhere around the world with everything that's happened not just the pandemic but in general i think people have started to realize as uh, mental health awareness has increased that you know all this rat race that we, we have sort of gotten ourselves into is is not really a healthy way of life so yeah. people are now around the world you know maybe even with there there are conversations specifically in i think the scandinavian uh, countries have actually implemented this um you know short, shorter work days work life balance and not 
by work life balance not just from the aspect that you know uh, you have more free time to do chores of the house that you are sort of cramming them in, into sundays but just to have a, there is a bigger meaning to life than just you know working uh, and then you know maintaining a specific lifestyle or socializing so yeah on that note um, i would like to thank you and close this and i think uh, we will end up making uh, stories from thar and other your know, other yeah. adventures a regular feature at mixtape so until next time um and everyone thank you for everyone for joining in thanks so much for having me it was a pleasure and honestly i haven't shared so much about thar now that i now feel like going there so yeah there is that uh, that cavity when i haven't gone there for a while and all this has brought up a lot of memories so maybe i will take a trip there sooner than later okay thank you bye bye take care bye fatma take care